So the health critic for the Ontario Liberals is Dr. Adil Shamji. We talk about the overturning of Bill 124, health care as a static state, and the importance in having conversations about reframing health care. Dr. Shamji and myself on Toronto Today. Thanks for making the time for our show. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me and for covering this really important issue. Well, let's wind the clocks back to 2019 when you hear, and this is before you're running, before you're in politics, when you hear about Bill 124, that it's going to cap wages of healthcare workers. What did that do to morale inside hospitals? Well, it started it started everything off on the on, you know, on a wrong foot. Uh, healthcare workers, nurses in particular, well, all all healthcare workers work really, really hard. Uh, and to think that their wages could be capped at even at that early stage in, you know, prior to the pandemic, to be have their wages capped at a rate that was well under the rate of inflation was wrong to begin with. And then to have pers- to have continued with this wage capping legislation through the pandemic at a time when the government insists that they are honoring and respecting healthcare workers, but certainly not acting like it, to have continued with that is just downright insulting and demoralizing. And that is only underscored by Doug Ford's apparent decision to go ahead and appeal this decision after it has been declared to be coercive and unconstitutional. On the front line, did you talk to people who said, look, I I know I can't just walk in and no one can in private industry and say, this is what I want. You have to give it to me. But it is that sort of back and forth. There is a process of of bargaining if you're in a private company. And there's also clearly if you're in a union, the idea that that we have a right to fair, fairly and freely bargain collectively with with our employer um, in that circumstance. And it got ripped away from people. Absolutely. I mean, with Bill Bill 124 was just the first of many additional steps that this government has taken to to infringe upon constitutional rights and collective bargaining rights. I mean, we just saw it very recently with Bill 28, which was a legislation that made it illegal for QP workers to go on strike in order to secure a fairly bargained, uh, fairly bargained wages. Uh, they did it with Bill 124, of course. This government keeps resorting to coercive measures in order to achieve their policy gains. their policy objectives. They've also done it with Bill 7. That's the legislation that says, if you're an elderly person in a hospital, you will be sent to a long-term care home, whether you like it or not, whether it's one of your choice or not. And if you don't, you'll be fined $400 a day. That's not how democracy is supposed to work. That's not how government is supposed to work. What does, I heard about celebrations yesterday in hospitals. Um, Does the, you know, the, the, the pushback against the wage cap, does this decision improve morale? Could this keep more people in the industry as opposed to leaving it? I would have felt more confident that it will help keep people in the, you know, in the profession if Doug Ford hadn't taken the step to uh, to propose appealing it. Mm-hmm. You know, there there was a possibility that Bill 124 had been a decision that hadn't been fully thought through and perhaps that he would allow it to expire and, and healthcare workers would have a hope that they could secure better wages in the future. There was a there was a belief that perhaps it wasn't because Doug Ford didn't believe in their inherent worth. But the decision to double down now, to appeal that decision, I think runs the risk of actually being even more demoralizing because it says to healthcare workers, Doug Ford has seen, you know, Doug, Doug Ford has seen how we feel. He sees what we do in hospitals every day. And he still doesn't think that it is worth it for us to get paid fairly in the midst of a pandemic, even after a court has told him that this is an unconstitutional act. 
Dr. Adil Shamji, our guest on Toronto today. I'm going to go sort of big picture politics wise, but stay with healthcare. This is what people tell me. They think you could be a incredibly important voice for the Ontario Liberal Party moving forward. I know you still have to, to you know, uh, get a leader and you still have to plan uh, how you're going to attack the Ford government and, and, and try and become the next government. But they say you're going to be really important. Can uh, if we can reframe health care, I think most people look and say maybe it's the Ontario Liberals are going to do it. And you also have to, as a party, differentiate yourselves from the NDP. I think that was a problem last time out with the party platform. That's me saying that. Am I on the right track with that? Does there have to be some differentiation? Do we have to have some rethinks about how we're doing healthcare in the province? There definitely have to be some rethinks about how we do healthcare in the province and about how we conduct ourselves. I think one thing that very clearly defines us from other opposition parties is that we don't just see ourselves as a party, as an opposition party that says no. We say, you know, government proposes bills, they can be better, they can be more constructive and more pragmatic. And I think that vision of hope and ambition and not just saying no um, is one thing that certainly defines us. With regards to how we view healthcare, you know, I, the perspective that I like to bring isn't just that healthcare is about nurses and doctors, other hospital professionals and hospitals and clinics, but that all policy is health policy, meaning that in order to achieve full you know, physical, emotional, and social well-being for all of us, we need to get everything right. Housing, education, we need to protect the green belt and the environment. And I think with an enlightened perspective like that, I think the Liberal Party is going to have a very strong showing, um, you know, in the next election. And I sincerely believe that that will be to the benefit, I hope, of everyone here in Ontario and patients in particular. I'm seeing a lot of data of um, RSV cases dropping in hospitals. I'm seeing a lot of data that shows our hospitalizations are down. You wanted there to be universal masking two weeks ago. You were you were adamant that Dr. Kieran Moore disappointed you 16 days ago with not going with a mask mandate. Do you reflect differently upon it now? Looking, If you looked at the data I looked at, would you, would you have changed your mind? Well, what we're seeing is that RSV cases are going down and influenza cases are going up. We know that tens of thousands of students every day are missing school in our classes across the province. And we're still seeing unprecedented pressures across the entire province on our pediatric healthcare capacity. Our pediatric ICUs are still overwhelmed. Emergency departments still have wait times through the roof. Um, and uh, as, you know, as you know, and patients are experiencing, uh, uh, pediatric surgeries are still getting canceled. And so we need to do everything that we can. I think universal masking in a limited setting, such as in schools, um, is an important step that we can take now for as short of a time as possible, of course, but just to preserve that healthcare capacity until such time as we can open things up, get surgeries back and going, and make sure that there aren't any kids who are suffering because they can't access our healthcare system in a timely manner. I hear that. I just look, I, and this is what I'd say I grew, with with great deference. You and I could have, um, you know, a drink, dinner, and dessert, and pay for the check, and we might not agree that it's it's the best thing to do because I just haven't seen. I think there's a huge burden of proof. Thirty three months in to prove that that masking is going to make a difference on a five or six year old, because I think there are harms and I think our kids have been really vulnerable through this process. And I can't advocate for covering their faces while learning and growing and developing anymore and thinking that it would change the hospital capacity. And I'm all with you on all these other massive issues um, that are really important. You know, I, I entirely respect your opinion. I may actually take you up on lunch or dinner one of these days. <laughs> you know, um, we, we have seen some evidence 
more than some evidence, a lot of evidence, even coming out of the um, uh, you know schools in the United States, that masking um, as recently as earlier this year did make a difference, even in specifically the school environment. But to exactly the point that you're making, I don't think that you know masking, whether in children or or in everyone, is the is you know is the one and only solution to everything that's going on in our healthcare system. And if anyone walks away from this interview thinking that's the only thing that we're calling for, or we think that that will solve all our problems. That's simply not true. We need to get our health mm -hmm. human resources right. We need to make sure that our nurses, our paramedics, all of the healthcare workers that make our healthcare system run. We need to make sure that they are addressed. We need to make sure that everyone is adequately vaccinated. Uh, COVID and influenza vaccinations right now continue to be yeah. incredibly underwhelming. So all of these things need to be addressed. And so honestly, Greg, we can both be right. It's okay. Yeah, no, there's massive, massive issues and, and I want to stay on them and I know you do too. Thanks for the time today, doctor. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Take care. Have a great day. Dr. Adil Shamji, our guest on Toronto Today.